Welcome, Alternative News listeners, and thank you for soul vaccination for getting my soul right. This is your community radio station, 91.7. You can find us on the web at koop.org, and this is a pre-recorded broadcast on Saturday, May the 16th, to be rebroadcasted Monday, May the 18th. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis with your host, Pedro Gatos. Welcome to our fifth post-COVID virus show, A New World, but the same place. And as we do before we go to all of our show content each week, we first go to war. Slipping into darkness 
Okay, so welcome to Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis. The news segment will be followed by our interview with Dr. Arlene Geronimus. She will be speaking on the issue of the COVID-19 virus, some hidden health issues, and the unique and taxing effects of weathering on uh, minority populations. Increasingly, scientists are acknowledging that the COVID-19 pandemic has unmasked, for all who care to see, the fact of institutionalized racism in the United States and the scourge of poverty as a preventable disease, if you will, if only we had the political will to replace the empty political rhetoric of feigning concern. Recently, scientist Dr. Tom Wingfield, senior clinical lecturer and honorary consultant physician at Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine said, it has been long recognized that poverty is associated with difficulties accessing healthcare services and poor health. Addressing the social determinants and consequences of illness, including COVID-19, and reducing the horrifying inequities that exist in our society in the UK and beyond. This will only be achieved by a concerted approach that targets the root causes of these social ills, reducing poverty, closing the gap between the rich and poor, providing universal health care and basic education, ensuring that we are all fed and well-nourished, and guaranteeing social protection for all those in need of times of sickness or unemployment. Another esteemed scientist, Professor Dave Gordon, director of the Bristol Poverty Institute and director of the Townsend Center for International Poverty Research, University of Bristol, said, there are a range of reasons why the death rates in the 30% of the most deprived areas are more than twice as high as in the richest areas. They are more likely to be key workers, for example, care assistants, shop assistants, building workers, bus drivers, delivery drivers, etc. They're more likely to come into contact with infected people than their peers in richer areas who may be able to work from their homes. They're more likely to rely on public transport than people in richer areas and thus come into contact with infectious people. Deprived areas tend to have higher population densities than richer areas. There is a higher risk of severe disease and death from a COVID-19 infection if you have underlying health conditions such as hypertension, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, chronic respiratory disease, and cancer. And then finally, he adds, the inverse care law unfortunately still affects the UK and their national health care system. The quality of health care is inversely related to health need. In other words, deprived areas on average have worse health care than richer areas. And then finally, he, he makes the remark, however, what is a surprise is that the inequality and in death rates between richer and poorer areas from COVID-19 are, are so much greater than deaths from other causes. In most deprived, 30% of areas, people are more than twice as likely to die from COVID-19 infections compared with people in the richest 10% of areas of both England and Wales. So one pre-existing condition that is not properly appreciated when we look at the health and health disparities in our nation here in the U.S. is simple to identify with little doubt and to identify with one question, and that is, are you black? If you are, as part of a larger ethnic group, you are disadvantaged, as the following statistical data clearly indicate. 
The COVID virus is disproportionately hammering African-Americans compared to whites, another indication of this institutionalized racism. If infant mortality rates are twice as high and life expectancy rates are shorter, if unemployment rates and poverty rates are two to three times higher, then it should come as no surprise that when it comes to protecting the most vulnerable from the ravages of this disease, African-American U.S. citizens have been particularly neglected. This is unacceptable and is arguably a manifestation of the truth our country treats blacks as second-class U.S. citizens, that blacks are implicitly seen as lesser human beings. So before the actual pandemic, you can point to all sorts of sources that point out the disparities that we're alluding to. In a piece by Carlos Ballesteros back in December of 2017 in Newsweek, Racism in Boston, African-Americans have a median net worth of $8, new report shows. He indicates that using data from the Federal Reserve of Boston, this investigative group Spotlight found that non-immigrant African-Americans in the Boston area had a median net worth of $8. White households in Boston, on the other hand, averaged a net worth of $247,500, or nearly 31,000 times more than African-American Bostonians. So this is the wealth inequality that's so exaggerated in our country, throughout the whole country, but specifically within the African-American community. According to another study by the prestigious team led by William Darity and Derek Hamilton, and Dr. Darity is at Duke, their piece, Umbrellas Don't Make It Rain, while studying and working hard isn't enough for black Americans in April of 2015, they found that for black families and families of color, studying and working is not associated with the same levels of wealth amassed among whites. Black families whose head of households graduated from college have about a 33% less wealth than white families whose heads dropped out of high school. During the recession period of 2005 to 2009, typical white family lost 16% of its wealth, while the typical black family lost 53% of its wealth. It's three times greater. Before the recession of the 2005 to 2009 period, a typical white family had 10 times the wealth of a typical black family. After the recession, it increased to 20 times greater. When you look at drug use and incarceration rates, the common misperception is that black use turned to drugs at a dis disproportionate rate. That is not true. According to How American Life Continued to Deteriorate in 2016, this is a, a piece by Paul Buchheit in January of 2017. According to a 2016 12-year longitudinal study of use, and that was called Health Disparities in Drug and Alcohol Use Disorders, a 12-year longitudinal study of youth after detention. It was a May 2016 American Journal of Public Health piece. They indicated that drug use disorders were most prevalent among non-Hispanic whites, followed by Hispanics and then African-Americans. Yet, racial ethnic minorities are disproportionately incarcerated, especially for drug crimes. So according to the 2015 data of the NAACP fact sheet, between 1980 and 2015, the number of people incarcerated in America increased from 500,000 to over 2.2 million people. Today, the United States makes up, meaning 2016 period, some 5% of the world's population and has 21% of the world's prisoners. African Americans are incarcerated at more than five times the rate of whites. 
the imprisonment for African-American women is twice that of white women. Nationwide, African-American children represent 32% of children who are arrested. African-Americans and whites use drugs at similar rates, but the imprisonment rate of African-Americans for drug charges is almost six times that of whites. Again, this is NAACP data from 2016. African-Americans represent 12.5% of illicit drug users, but 29% of those arrested for drug offenses and 33% of those incarcerated in state facilities for drug offenses. About 70% of black people in the United States live in counties where pollution levels exceed federal standards and thus violate federal law, according to the EPA. That comes from a recent 2020 piece of April 27th, 2020, by Brittany Gibson called, When It Comes to Coronavirus Deaths, Race Matters, that 70% of black people live in these counties where pollution levels exceed federal standards. We'll be talking to our guests here shortly, and you'll see that pollution is a major indice of creating underlying conditions that make people more susceptible to coronavirus fatal outcomes. And then just a few more statistical pre-COVID-19 types of indicators. There's 50% higher rates of poor health for Black women, asthma in Black children, and hypertension in in Black adults defined as those 20 years and older. This is like 2017 data. So these rates are significantly higher. This is a second-class citizen status is what we're talking about when you put all this together. And then finally, when I say second class, if you go back and begin how, how African-Americans were treated with, you know, Article One, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution back in 1787, they were considered three-fifths, the three-fifths clause, which declared that for purposes of representation in Congress, an enslaved black person would be counted as three-fifths of a person, while a state's white inhabitant would be counted as a whole person. All of this data and facts clearly indicate that that status of a lesser person remains. The forms of discrimination may have changed, but the relationship is not. And so Topak Shakur had said, instead of a war on poverty, they got a war on drugs so the police can bother me. These are just one ways in which this disproportionate and unequal treatment manifests itself in the black population. And then black men are about 2.5 times more likely to be killed by police over the life course than than white men. Black women are about 1.4 times more likely. This comes from the risk of being killed by police use of force in the U.S. by age, race, ethnicity, and sex. A August 2nd, 2019 study and paper by Frank Edwards, Hedwig Lieb, and Michael Esposito from the School of Criminal Justice in Rutgers, Newark, New Jersey. Okay. Police violence is a leading cause of death for young men and young men of color, and they face exceptionally high risk of being killed by police. And these inequalities and risk are pronounced throughout the life course, and the study reinforces calls to treat police violence as another public health issue. The other major indices that we're all aware of or should be aware of, and I'm just putting here to end this segment, is just the infant mortality rates. They continue to be twice as high for blacks as for whites. And in 2017, for blacks, it was 10.97 infant deaths per 1,000 live births. 
This is almost twice the national average of 5.8 infant deaths per 1,000. And life expectancy is some three and a half years shorter. So in summary, then, when we look at the issues as we turn to today, we can see that even the American Medical Association appreciates and indicates these discrepancies as well and points them out very clearly. On April 3rd, 2020, the American Medical Association, this is, again, it's a professional organization, represents over a quarter million physicians and in in residents and medical students. This is their quote, it is well documented that social and health inequalities are longstanding and systemic disturbances to the well-being of marginalized minorities in medically underserved communities. While COVID-19 has not created the circumstances that have brought about health inequities, it has and it will continue to severely exasperate existing and alarming social inequities along racial and ethnic lines. With respect to the pollution factor in this piece called A Terrible Price, The Terrible Racial Disparities of COVID-19 in America by Linda Villarosa in the New York Times just last week, or actually April 29th of 20. She says, as scientists, or she writes, as scientists and policymakers have known since 1980s, black and poor communities shoulder a disproportionate burden of the nation's pollution. COVID-19 typically attacks the lungs and is especially dangerous to those with existing respiratory conditions. In a paper released on April 5th by researchers at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health found that a majority of the conditions that increase the risk of death with COVID-19 are also affected by long-term exposure to air pollution. Okay, and then just as a final remark then, in the same article, the coronavirus pandemic has stripped bare the racial divide in the health of our nation. A complex and longstanding constellation of factors explains these higher death rates. On April 8th, a CDC study suggests that about 90% of the most serious COVID-19 cases involve underlying health conditions hypertension, cardiovascular disease, obesity, diabetes, chronic lung disease. According to the CDC, the rate of diabetes is 66% higher in black Americans than in white Americans. The rate of hypertension is 49% higher. And they repeat the life expectancy issue uh, being 3.5 years lower than white life expectancy, according to the CDC. And so now, as we turn after this break, we'll be coming back and introducing our guest, Dr. Geronimos, and she specifically talks about another dimension of the effects of institutionalized racism that's called weathering and the cumulative effect on health that is measurable and has been measured and has been replicated in studies and helps to also explain, in addition to the wealth inequalities, just the, the angst and the psychological burdens of being discriminated against can play a large part on shortening uh, life expectancy and making a particular population perhaps more susceptible to these COVID-19's fatal outcomes, especially those that are predisposed based on the hypertension, cardiovascular issues, and other things that we mentioned earlier. I want to remind you, you're listening to Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis with your host, Pedro Gatos. 
And we will be turning shortly to my guest, Dr. Arlene Geronimus. This is Saturday, May the 16th, to be rebroadcasted Monday, May the 18th, 2020. We will be broadcasting this post-COVID virus show number five in just two days on Monday, the, the 18th of May. We're dedicating this show to the contributions of Malcolm X, to the, the cause of African-American inequalities and historical tragedies and rectification of all of the above. His birth date is the same week. And I have the great, great pleasure of having on the show tonight the esteemed Dr. Arlene Geronimus. In 1985, Dr. Geronimus received her Doctor of Science in Behavioral Sciences degree from Harvard University School of Public Health with a minors in biostatistics and social policy. She received her undergraduate degree from Princeton in 1978. From 1999 to present, Dr. Geronimus has worked as a professor in the Department of Health, Behavior, and Health Education School of Public Health at the University of Michigan as well as a research professor, Population Studies Center, the Institute for Social Research at the University of Michigan, and as a faculty associate, Center on Race, Ethnicity, Culture, and Health at the University of Michigan. She has been a primary contributor to dozens of peer-reviewed studies on subjects we will be speaking to tonight. And Dr. Geronimus's research interests include understanding the social and biological mechanisms that mediate racial disparities in health, along with the full pathway from the environmental to the cellular level. Uh, actually, how our experiences in life, if they are negative, we're going to be talking about how they can actually impact health. Fascinating theories that are based in scientific research and studies that the doctor has been a part of and has researched extensively. So looking at the effects of poverty, institutionalized discrimination, and residential areas on health, uh, the strategies used by marginal communities to reduce or mitigate those harmful effects of poverty and structural racism, and the uh, perturbations public policies sometimes cause in these autonomous productions. With that said, welcome to Bringing Light into Darkness. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Let me just put this in the context of COVID-19. We have discussed the gross disparities in wealth in our nation for all people on this show, and we see it as the most pernicious indication of the obstacles at getting at giving everyone a fair and equal opportunity to succeed in this country. But particularly subpopulations within our country are disproportionately hit with these types of material discriminations. And to put these numbers into context, African Americans make up some 13% of the population, but some 27% of the COVID-19 deaths for which race and ethnicity is known. That's according to this group called APM, APM Research. By contrast, uh, about 62% of the population in places reporting race and ethnicity are white, but white residents make up 49% of the COVID-19 deaths, the research shows. Hispanics, or Latinos, if you will, comprise about 18% of the population and are about 16% of the deaths. Americans of Asian descent 
make up 5% of the population and 5% of the deaths. My understanding is that Native Americans are disproportionately represented in these numbers too, but I don't have those exact uh, numbers. But with all that being said, just to kind of kick off this discussion, Doctor, I was reading an article that I've been fascinated about. The pernicious nature of poverty is not just the material side of things, but there are studies that in 2016, Brookings Institute put out a study that's been fairly replicated that indicated that people born in the 1950s, these are males, if they were born in the top 10% of income earners, they had some 14 years longer life expectancies than those born in the bottom 10%. So clearly we know that just from a socioeconomic perspective, irregardless of race, there are these pernicious effects of poverty outside of the traditional ones that we look at. Your work has gone a step further and looked at issues surrounding how with racism and biases of different sorts that some subgroups have to endure, that it also has an impact on life expectancy rates. And so I wanted to start off by asking you to give us just an overview of those factors that kind of intersect that create these differences throughout our population and particularly with African Americans. Okay. The differences you describe are actually probably underestimates of how much less life expectancy is and healthy life expectancy is for some marginalized groups compared to others. We've done studies, for instance, looking in specific neighborhoods or parts of the country or the very poor, and you can see even in the same county, you can see that there will be some people who will do much worse than others. And so I think we actually have not, as a society, have not quite wrestled with just how inequitable in sort of a fashion, a more fine-grained and gradient fashion, these inequalities in life expectancy are. And as I said also, there's even groups that have similar life expectancies, if they're members of racial minority groups, will probably spend much larger percentages of their life expectancy in poor health of some kind, chronic disease, disability, or something like that. So I think the intense and endless ways that health is sort of stratified in our society and and just how pernicious it is are barely touched at when people just look at regular, say, life expectancy differences. That's sort of the, you know, the proverbial tip of the iceberg. So, Dr. Geronimos, before we continue and return to our in-depth discussion with you, we need to take care of a couple of housekeeping items here on the station side. So please stay tuned to the premier community radio station of the nation. That's 91.7 KOOP right here in Austin, Texas, kOOP.org. We'll be back right after this. 